This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today is part two of our recording with Scout the Boot Black, who's been in the leather community for 20 years and holds the title of International Mr. Boot Black 2014. In this episode, we talk more about Scout's journey to becoming a boot black, and we may encounter some sexy stories along the way. Get ready for some more leather talk. Northwest title, or did we already talk about the 2010 Northwest title? I think we got to the point where I ran for the 2010 Northwest title. Okay. And then I won. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you won the 2010 (laughs) Northwest title. And why was it important for you to run for that title in the first place? So I had been attending International Leather Surboy for a couple of years at that point because they were hosting it in the Bay, and so I just commute down for it. Mm-hmm. And I really liked what it stood for, and I liked what ICBB stand for, which is the International Community Boot Black Contest, mm-hmm. because it was the only one that didn't require a gender. So you didn't have to have, like, ID, or you, I mean, you had to have, like, a piece of ID, but the gender on it didn't matter. Right, okay. And at that point in time, ILSB had made the shift so that trans men could compete for sir and boy, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and so I ran for the 2010 Northwest Boot Black title, and I won because you have to have a community boot black title to run for ICBB. Oh, and you had already. Well, so I wanted to run for ICBB, so I ran for the Northwest title. I also wanted a pay raise. So when I won Northwest, I went from like 5 to $10 a pair to like 10 to $15 a pair. Okay. Um, which gave me a boost in my income. Now, is that something that you just felt comfortable changing on your own, or is there like an actual like scaled pay system or something. i work for tips my average tip is between five, 5 and 20 and nobody's turned away for lack of funds and that has been what i've been saying since i would had started okay and people choose to pay you more when you have a back patch on and the bigger the back patch the more they choose to pay you ah uh, i see and so now my average tip is between 20 and 50 because i have an international title and very rarely do people pay me less than 20 bucks a pair so i wanted to run for icbb and i liked that because it was like all gender specific. So I ran in 2010 and I lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did win the Brotherhood Award. I got the like golden brush for boot blacks. Okay. Um, And that was really cool for me. Cause for me, like I don't interview well, I don't give speeches well, I boot black well, and I play well. Um, I'm a boot man. So I love boot play, stomping, kicking, you know, trampling. I went to massage school and it taught me how to be a better sadist. So that works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ran and then I traveled around in 2010. I traveled around quite a bit. And then in 2011, my boy came back to me. Uh, We had been together for like a year and a half and then split for three years. And then he came back and we met back up at Wolf Creek, um, that fairy sanctuary I was telling you about. And he was like, I'm going on an art tour 
And I was like, great. And he's like, I'm going from Minneapolis to San Francisco and here are the weeks. And I was like, cool. Are you coming through Wolf Creek for Beltane? Because the time is there for you to come through Wolf Creek for Beltane. And he was like, well, I was thinking about it. Well, little did he know I had a dream like three days prior where a dead fairy hand fasted us at Beltane. And so I was like, oh shit, he's coming to Beltane. And then he was like, I'm coming to Beltane. And so I was like, oh shit. So I like piled my van full of people. Oh my God. Wait, like, so went, this is like destiny? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's technically Wolf Creek, but yes. Um, Cause destiny's on the East coast. Oh, <laughs> that's not what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he came home and like, I waited, the th- he was supposed to land on Wednesday and I waited all day Wednesday by the parking lot waiting for him to land and he had a car trouble and didn't show up. So Thursday morning I climbed to the top of this sun altar because I could get cell service there and I was like, where are you? He's like, oh, we're stuck near Crater Lake. I'll be there later today. I should be in at about four o'clock. So when he came in at four o'clock, I was just sitting there waiting in my van, staring at the driveway. And as soon as his van rolled in, I like ran around to the passenger side and opened the door and like ate his face. And I hadn't seen him in years. And he was like, and he was like, we're not getting back together. That's not why I'm coming for Beltane. It's not even about you. I want to land and get my feet there. And I was going to let him, but the time I had set aside for him to like land and get his feet wet and like settle in by himself he missed showing up for. So I was like, well, clearly that is off the schedule. <laughs> you had time to get back on your feet. You, you had to it. do that. And I, I went on a hike for like seven hours that day to give him time and space. And so we took that backpatch, that 2010 Northwest backpatch, and we took it everywhere. I put him in a van and he and I drove around the country on and off for like 18 months. Wow. What an adventure. Yeah. So that takes us to like 2012, at which point he wanted a job. And I said, I will relocate anywhere on the West Coast if you get a job or get into grad school. Hmm. And he said, okay, I want a job at Mr. S. And so we were at ILSB, me and my friends were at ILSB, and my buddy Lama worked for Mr. S at the time, and my friend Becca worked for Mr. S at the time, and we were like... They were like, when are you moving to the Bay? We're all moving to the Bay. When, when are you moving to the Bay? And I was like, when is Blaze getting a job at Mr. S? Mm-hmm. And so we like worked some things and got him a job at Mr. S. And he worked at Mr. S for like three years. And while he worked at Mr. S, the Eagle was reopening in the Bay Area. And okay. I wanted that stand. I wanted to work that stand. I wanted to run that stand. I wanted that stand. Mm-hmm. Um And the owners of the Eagle said, well, I think we're just going to let whoever's the local title holder run the stand. Hmm. I said, okay. And so about three months later, they were running the 2013 Northern California Community Boot Black Contest. And I was like, well, clearly I'm going to run for that (laughs) because I want to run the stand. Um, And I did, and I won, and I ran unopposed, and I showed well. And then I went to ILSB that year. And it had just gotten sold from Mike Sewell to Jeffrey Payne. And upon the sale, they were reverting back to the original rules to qualify to run for Sir and Boy that you had to be a cisgendered male. And so that was supposed to be leaked on Thursday by Leatherati. There was like a whole thing where they like basically painted a picture of it being a good idea. Mm-hmm. 
and Leatherati was going to like put this fluff piece out about it. And I was like, and somebody had just told me and I was like, is that confirmed? And then he showed me the email and I was like, cool. And I just took to Facebook with it. And I was like, who knows that ILSB who just had a trans man win their boot black title is now telling trans men they're not man enough to be certain boy. And so that shit hit the fan. And I had some really terrible conversations with people like trans men have an international transgender title. They should go run for that. People told me Um, trans men aren't real men. They're not really part of the men's community. People said that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, People who own contests were like, I don't see why it even matters. It's not like trans men are real sirs or boys anyways. Like I heard so much shit Mm -hmm. that I was like, fuck ILSB. Right? Like, I clearly do not have a value alignment with these people. I'm so glad I didn't win their title. And when I came to that conclusion, I was like, well, I should run for international Mr. Boot Black because I wanted an international title. It was really important to me. And I've, a large percentage of my friends in the leather community have international titles, not because I'm a title collector. I'm just a Boot Black who mm-hmm. really enjoys other Boot Blacks, and they all end up with international back patches. Mm-hmm. And so I ran in 2014 for International Mr. Boot Black, and I had a wonderful year. It was the first year the competition was judged. Um, So we actually had a panel of judges that year, in addition to the balloting. And I took home the title. And as soon as I took home the title, I was like, my boy got injured at work. And I was like, can we move home? I just want to move back to Portland. Like, Hmm. I just want to go back to the woods where people want to hang out in the woods. And I took my 2014 year and I traveled a lot and I built a lot of community. When it was all said and done, we went home. And I loved my my year. Like I had, I feel really lucky because I've had a lot of really good play partners over the years. And like, I'll never forget, I went to a Dory. He was a Folsom. It was a Dory because the kid was like, happy birthday. You can be in charge of me for your birthday. My birthday's at the end of June. <laughs> he said he could be, you could be in charge of him for his birthday. For my birthday. Oh, for your birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the San Francisco Pride. Same boy. I have like five stories with the same boy. Um, and so for it was my birthday at San Francisco Pride. And it was like we had a great time. And Gear Up was throwing a party. And I was so excited about it. And so we put him in this face mask that bla- that Blaze is my boy and my husband made. Uh-huh. And it was like a Danner boot sticking off where the like tube part where your leg goes in sticks off of his face. So he's like, can't see anything and all he can smell is leather. Okay. But he can also still get clean air. So if I like wanted to blow smoke up the boot, he would then just get a face full of smoke. Oh, I see. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we went from the Eagle and we walked around and walked around a parking lot for a while because they were throwing the party above Mr. S. And we went and I walked him in and he has this blindfold boot thing on. <laughs> and I'm like, and I signed the waiver and Blaze signs the waiver and he goes to sign the waiver. And, and he's like, and I was like, sign this piece of paper. And I like put his hand on the paper with a pen in it. And he's like, what am I signing, sir? And I'm like, you're signing your life away. Also, you won't sue <laughs> the venue. And he was like, yes, sir. And like signs the piece of paper. And the people behind the desk don't know me, but the guy running the party does. And yeah. the guys behind the desk are like, uh, this is an edge placing for us. And I was like, it's fine. And the guy who's running the party is like, it's fine. We all know who he is. Like, it's fine. <laughs> the boy says he consents. It's great. Oh my um, God. And we took him into the back. And this boy had never been to a men's only play party. 
And I didn't tell him it was a men's only play party because yeah. I didn't see why that was relevant. Um, and we tied him up and we beat him. I have a bag of sticks. I went through most of my bag of sticks. And that's like everything from like tire thumpers to metal rods to canes to baseball bats. Like I just went through the whole bag. And when he couldn't stand anymore, we put him down on the ground and Blaze cut the word worthy into his chest. And Wait, then into like his, what do you mean? Cut like, into his Like skin. carved the word worthy into his chest. Into his skin? Yeah, with like a scalpel. Oh my gosh. He's he, my boy does beautiful cutting work. Wow. I really like needles, but my idea of a fun time with needles is like, can I put like a box in you, which is like a hundred needles? Oh like, do you think you might be able to go for two boxes? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Some people are size queens. I might be a numbers queen. And then we put him in a cage and hung him in the middle of the room. And keep in mind, he is still blindfolded. So we have carved, we have beaten him with everything in the bag, at which point when I get to, like, when he needs a timeout, he would sing happy birthday to me uh-huh. at the top of his lungs to make me laugh so that I would give him a breather. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the greatest scene ever. And then we hang him in a cage in the middle of the room, and all these guys come up and, like, tell him filthy things in his ears. And he oh is like, God, whoa. And then we eventually let him out of the cage. He was like, sir, I need something to eat. And I was like, okay, fine. You can have some snacks. And I let him out of the cage and I take off the blindfold and he looks around. And he's like, where are the women? And I was like, oh, honey, this is a men's only party. And he's like, I've never been to a men's only party. <laughs> Aww. And I was like, yeah, but you're a dude. So here you go. Like, welcome to the dude's party. Um, <laughs> wow. And he had a great time. And it was really like empowering. I love doing that. I think it's really important to bring men who don't feel comfortable in men's space into men's space, hmm. especially queer men. Mm-hmm and trans men because the space won't be welcoming to you until you make it yours and people are under this misconception that trans men are new in the leather scene trans men aren't new Mm -hmm. billy lane got on the iml stage in like 1990 something right Mm -hmm. and he's out like i'm not outing anyone like you can google that fact but like it's not new Mm-hmm. And like guys just don't talk about it because a lot of trans dudes worked their way into the leather community through the fisting scene. Okay. Because a lot of us have small hands, right? And so fisting bears are like, hi, you've got tiny hands. Can we fit two of them in my butthole? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> that sounds great. You know? And I've gotten, I was really lucky. I've gotten some older dudes through me in the scene where I got to fist a bunch of older guys. And I mean, like, I was in my 20s fisting a dude in his 70s. Wow. And I'll never forget, he showed up wearing like this costume. He was like, do you guys mind if I go change? And we're like, no, go change. <laughs> he comes back wearing a red hanky around his neck, tied, a chest harness, chaps, a red jock, and rust-colored socks. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Because he didn't want to wear his boots in the house, <laughs> his carpet. And I was like, this is hilarious to me, right? Like... And it was a great fisting scene, and I learned so much from this older guy because he was like really into getting his hole played with, and he was like, "This is how you do this, and this is how you do that," and like, yeah, it yeah. was one of the most informative fisting sessions I've ever done. And that can be like really deep too. Like, <clears throat> um, the 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 day the the bars all closed here because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, I actually made made a friend that night. I I got crazy. I was like, you know what, we're going to the sex club because this might be the last night, right? So after the bars closed or whatever, I headed over and there was a guy there who wanted to get fisted. And I was like, 
you don't know me i don't know you but like let's talk so we talked for a, a little bit and i was like okay i'm gonna give you some time clean yourself out do whatever you need to do i'm gonna wash my hands well anyways it, it was an informative informative fisting session and it was like the one time that we got like 10 or 12 full fist punches in and out and out. but he was guiding me through it i'm like i've done this but i've not like not to this extreme because he was really into it and it was crazy he's like angle down this way a little bit or angle down that way a little bit oh let's add more lube this way okay let me shift like this can and he was communicating and it was hot because i was like oh my god we're going further than i've ever gone and it's because the bottom was kind of taking mm-hmm. the lead on that thing and now I'm more informed on that experience just because of that. I would consistently rather play with an experienced fisting bottom. Like, yeah. I love older dudes who are like, I like to get fisted. Please wreck my hole. Like, <laughs> I collect dicks. I've got quite the collection. I can run a train without ever leaving the house or inviting a friend. Like, seems like a good time. Um, <laughs> but I also learned from a guy who's 20 years my senior. You know, the mm-hmm. first time I ever did an anal fisting scene... My buddy and I were out, he, my buddy was out and I was the designated driver and my buddy I was out with doesn't drink or doesn't typically drink, but this night he was getting drunk. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, a friend called me and invited me over to the house. Do you want to go smoke some pot and hang out? And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. We get over there and my buddy, uh, we open the door and my friend is there in like, once again, a leather harness, a chalk strap, Westco boots and chaps. And I was like, hi, woof. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> And like, he was like, yeah, let's smoke some pot, guys. And he was like, you want to put your hand in my ass? And I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) And my buddy is like, I'm tired. And I was like, well, you can take a nap. Like, it's fine. And so like, the best angle is like his view of this is the my third party friend's view of this, right? So he says, it's a montage of him falling asleep and waking up. And each time he would wake up, me and the guy I was fisting were like on different furniture in the room. (laughs) And like, at one point he was like climbing a wall about it. And at one point he was like taking it like face down off of the coffee table. And like, like we fucked all over that room for hours. And at some points, like, like he woke up and he was like taking a bong hit. And then the next thing I know, he's like trying to give a bong hit to the guy I'm fisting. Like, and then I get a bong hit without having to use my hands. Cause I'm a little busy at the time. Right. Like fucking loved it. Like I've got, it so sounds like many, a party. <laughs> I've got so many good fisting stories. Like there's a wonderful um, group called Riggs leather fags in the Bay area that throws parties around Folsom and Dory. And uh, I got to go to one of those, a couple of those parties and, they're like, everybody has to take their shoes off of the door. And I was like, really? Mine are clean. Like, I just, they just got done. I even had them scrub the soles. And he's like, I know your boot thing. You can keep your boots on. And I was like, <laughs> cool, thanks. I get to keep my boots on. I'm the only dude in the place with boots on. And I'm like, I'm going to go put on a show. So I throw my boy up in the sling. And I'm going to, and we were going to, I was going to fist him and fuck him for a while. And I'm working on fisting him and like, Fakir comes and like lays down and like watches us and he's like the grandfather of modern primitive piercing like I just felt like so spoiled I've had so many amazing people be like wow about my play over the years that I'm like it's just really lucky and after my step down as IMBB 2014 um a buddy of mine came to my hotel room and he was like you've done a fantastic job I've brought you a present 
And I was like, oh, what'd you bring me? And he like goes face first, ass up on my bed. And he's like, my hole. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. I love your friends. <laughs> so I fucked him and I fisted him. And then my boy fucked him for a little while and like fucked him up the bathroom wall about it. Like it was oh so good. I love this. I mean, I, I'm down for a good time. Yeah. Like I had a boy that I, every time we would go out, he wasn't allowed to pee. Like every time we were on a road trip, he would have to pee after we got back in the van. Okay. So it got to the point where he was no longer allowed to ask for a bathroom break. So he would like pee in a Taco Bell cup while driving down the road. And like, this is easier for men with external plumbing than internal plumbing. So uh -huh. this dude's internally plumbed, peeing okay. in a Taco Bell cup, rolling down the road, and then trying to pour it out a window, right? But oh like, gosh. every time we would stop somewhere and I'd have to pee, or like anytime we were at a kink event and I had to pee, like, he was my urinal. I loved pissing on that boy. I'd take him to the bathroom. They'd be like, no piss play at this venue. And I'm like, watch me. <laughs> take him to the bathroom, make him strip his pants down to his ankles, and I would just pee in his chest fur. And let it like drain down his chest fur over his bits and into the toilet. I love I was like, that. We don't have to spill. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to get that messy. But I guess not everyone can be responsible enough to keep it clean. So I mean, there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Uh -huh. The spirit of the law is don't piss all over the play space. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'll keep with the spirit. <laughs> I'll keep with the spirit of the law. No, exactly. Exactly. That that's like literally my favorite thing is his water sports fetish. And I still remember I, I guess I won't say a bar name, but I was like on my knees at a trough trying to, you know, collect some piss. And I don't know what got into me, but like a little bit got on my shirt. And then I was just like, yeah. And I I I kind of signaled to like keep pissing on my shirt. So he did. And I figured like it's being absorbed by the cotton. Like it's not getting anywhere. It's fine. The, the, the floors were like concrete. And then I was like, had this idea. I'm like, what if he just pisses in my pants? And right when I thought that he comes down and like whispers in my ear and he's like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to open up your pants and I'm going to piss in them and you're going to wear it proudly. And I was like, Yes, sir. Because <laughs> like, we, yeah. thought, we thought it at the same time. And like, those are now officially my piss pants. No matter where I go, like, that's what gets soaked up. And I just, I fucking, I fucking love that. That's so hot. Like, I, I love piss play. Um, the first time I really got into piss play, I had tied somebody up in hemp rope and then peed all over them. Fun <laughs> fact, hemp rope constricts when it gets oh. wet. <laughs> so you don't want that <laughs> no i mean unless you, know, you tied them up maybe. Very, like loosely or something no i'm a sadist oh my um, god <laughs> so you do want that <laughs> so they ended up with some really intense rope burns from it but it was after a scene where i tied them up with just a two-strap chest harness and then suspended them and they were like screaming because it was also my first suspension scene and they were an expert at this so i figured if i was doing it wrong they would say something uh -huh. But I like put them on a winch on a two strap chest harness, and they were like, "Yeah, screaming, screaming, screaming." And I was like, "Yeah, keep that on. We're going home. I'm peeing on you. I'm peeing on you." But like my next piss play, like my next big piss play scene was the night I realized I fell in love with my boy. Mm -hmm. So I met him at Test Fest on the East Coast, and I walked in the room 
And I took one look at him and he was like sitting at some other man's boots and every cell in my body got mad and I couldn't figure out why I was so mad. And the answer is because my boy was sitting at some other man's boots and I was like, that's going to be mine. And so we, long story short, because it's a long story. Long story um, long. (laughs) I talked him into my boot stand. He was like, no, no. And I was like, come. He's like, I have to find someone. I'm, I'm running something. And I was like, cool. I need you to sit down. Your boots look like shit. Um, and I put him in my stand and I pull his laces and he's like, are you Scout? And I was like, yeah, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm Blaze. I'm the boot black coordinator. You're the guy I'm looking for. Uh, I was like, well, good. I found you. Sit here. Oh let God. me take your boots off. Finished his boots. We had a lovely weekend. Fourth of July rolls around at the end of the weekend. And I'm at the Eagle in New York City. And they let they pulled the boot stand all the way up to the like patio deck for me because okay. nobody was working. It was like a Thursday. Nice. I was like, can I boot black? And they're like, yeah. And they like carried the stand up top for me. I got shit hammered. Um, <laughs> Cause this is back when I drank. He actually yeah. broke up with me because I drank. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And he wasn't with me for three and a half years and I sobered up. <laughs> That's how that happened. Okay. Um, and so we go outside and he blows me on the side of the road outside of the New York Eagle, which I was like, fuck yeah. And then we go back to his house and we're fucking and I get the spins and I hork all over him in the bed and everything else. And he puts me in the shower and cleans me up and collects all my clothes and rinses them off and lays out clean clothes for me. Cause I have to be back at my dates hotel room by 6am to catch a bus to Northern New York. Oh my God. Cause I'm still on a like week and a half long across the country date with somebody else. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like you do. Um, and so he puts me in the shower and like cleans me up and then hops in the shower with me. And he's like, you want to pee on me? And I was like, absolutely. And I just pissed all over him. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. You are the sexiest boy. And when I got out of the shower, everything was like clean and neat and organized with the new sheets on the bed. And we like went right back to fucking. And I was like, I am going to marry him. Aww. And I actually asked him to marry me the first night I met him. I was like, marry me. And he was like, absolutely not. Take me on a first date. <laughs> buy me a drink first. Like. <laughs> he was totally buying me a drink first. Well, because I asked him at the boot stand. I was like, what are you doing when I'm off my shift? And he's like, nothing. And I was like, cool. Well, why don't you come by and we'll go out for a smoke? It'll be great. And I smoke a lot of weed. So I walked outside of the hotel and was smoking some pot on the corner and he was like, don't you want a cigarette? And I was like, cigarettes are gross. Don't you want some weed? And he was like, you're dangerous. <laughs> you're a rule breaker. And I was like, what? It's really good weed. Like, come smoke some pot with me. And he did. And it was a great time. And like, I knew. Yeah. I took one look at him and I knew. Yeah, sometimes you know like that. that. I mean, how I met my husband, the first second I saw him, I was like, oh, shit. I, I honestly got so scared because of how like, real it was when i saw him i went turned around to go back into my car and he caught me he was like are you branded and i'm like "Mm mm-hmm yeah (laughs) but like we knew right then there like i mean at least i did you know but it's weird like it's like you feel it in your whole body and being like you just know Mm -hmm. you know we've had a boy in our service for three years now that i picked up at a dispensary in portland i took one look at him and i was like oh you're cute and little and need direction. You're going to be one of mine. And like, sure <laughs> enough, the boy ended up, he, he's the one that just left after mowing my lawn. Um, wow. Yeah. He's been around for about three and a half years, three, three and a half years. I love collecting boys. I don't think there are enough boys. I, 
there's some East Coasters that I have a lot of respect for. Um, and both of them have several boys in tow often. And I was like, that is what to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want in my life. I want a big leather family where I can have multiple boys for multiple needs. Because I had a leather uncle back in the day that told me good DS was when two skill sets come together for the benefit of both parties. Hmm. Um, as as a boy, um, like listening to this podcast right now, I, what what does one look for in in a sir or a dominant or when trying to find yourself a leather family? I think no matter what side of the slash you're on, what you should look for is people with value alignment Mm -hmm. and people who walk their talk. Because there's a lot of folks out there that give a lot of lip service that don't live the reality. And there's lots of people that can make a weekend fantasy really, really hot. But I'm not into a weekend fantasy. Like, I'm into long-term structural DS. I have a Mm -hmm. value. Like, one of my biggest kinks is, like, social reprogramming. So, like, teaching people how to be less racist, teaching people how to be less classist, teaching people how to be less ableist, and having them move forward in the world where, like, they address that. Like, my boy Blaze is white. If people do and say fucked up racist shit, I say, that's fucked up and racist. You shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then he, as a white person, will have a conversation with them as white people about why it's fucked up if we care enough to keep those people in our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but like part of the service he provides me is that I don't have to deal with that. Right. And it's also different coming from like a defense, like perspective that like a, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like white on white mm-hmm. perspective. Like, you know, if you say something, it's because you're defending yourself or at least it comes across that way, even if you're not trying to intend it that way, you know, yeah, it reads as hostile, even if it's not hostile. Right. And it's easier for white people to hear things from white people, which is yet again a tenet of white supremacy at, at, when you boil it down, right? But, like, I think it's it can happen with anything, though, right? Like, that mm-hmm. can happen about people of disabilities. Like, no, you can't invite me to your party day of your party and ask me to go buy things to make food to come to your party. Like give me two weeks notice because I can't physically walk around a grocery store. Um, Right. Like I'm disabled. I was hit by a semi truck. Um, I use a power scooter or I use a walker now. Um, I was a lot more mobile when I was an international title holder, but I got smashed. So my legs don't work as well as they used to. Um, and that's just kind of how that rolls, right? Yeah. But like, I had a great international year. Ramian and I were the first POC, POC, IML, IMBB couple. Okay. Um, and we were paired with Dara and Patty as our international Miss Boot Black and international Miss Leather. Um, Dara is, you know, my sash boot black i guess like uh-huh. we just kind of look at each other as co-boot blacks um and patty is the wife to both me and ramian and we have claimed her as our wife <laughs> which is really charming um but like i don't like roasts because i don't think it's nice to make fun of people uh-huh. um and we had to do a roast for our title year and so we had patty and nick elliott and blaze do our roasting we'll do my roasting um 
And it was like a sweet love of all the, my idiosyncrasies, right? Like Patty was like gnome and scout. Cause during my title year, well, for about 10 years, I lived in a cookie monster hat, like a little page boy hat with a cookie monster's face on it. Okay. And so <laughs> everywhere I went, people were like, Oh, cookie monster, that scout. Like that's how we can spot him across a room. Um, and I have a deep love of cookies. And anybody who flags lime green, I'm like, cool, are you going to bake me some cookies? Because I would like some underbaked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, my God, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. So they took that roast in and made it more of like a fun and it, playful? or It was so fun and playful. And also, Ramian was like, if you're going to mock us in a room full of people, we're going to eat dinner in front of you while none of you have food. <laughs> so Ramian got there us, go. like, some had somebody make us a really beautiful dinner with, like, complete with pie. Oh like, God. it was, it was, I had macaroni. It, they made me a vegetarian dish because I'm a vegetarian. Like, it was lovely. <laughs> I love that man so much. <laughs> um, and I love his husband, too. They're really, really good to me. Um, but I had a great year. I loved, and it kind of doesn't stop, right? Because mm-hmm. once you're a title holder, you're kind of always a title holder. And so yeah. at the international level, it's still like, oh, well, you're still going. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, is like uh, people are always like, oh, don't disappear. Like, everyone, but, well, what do you want me to do? Stop my whole life for the rest of my life? Well, I have other things going on, too. But the, the job never stops, right? You're always at this point now, like you've won a title. You're always, you always have a platform to speak on now. Anytime you put that vest on, anytime somebody recognizes you as an international title holder, like your voice and your thoughts and your opinions and everything that, that is made public or comes out in communication with somebody is within the context of like, this person has earned their way to where they're at you know it has it has some weight to it yeah and i like i feel really lucky because i was welcomed in with open arms by a title holder so my first experience was a title holder being like oh you want networking information Mm -hmm. and access information and everything like that like they were the they were the information booth like that's how i got in yeah. Um, and that was how it ran for a really long time was like the title holders were the information booths. And so I like being an information booth. And mm-hmm. I, at least with Oregon um, and somewhat with the Bay Area, I find that boot blacks don't migrate out as quickly. We might step away from the stand, but we don't always walk out of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, like, I was not, I went to an event this year and I was not working the stand and I ended up doing a pair of boots anyways, cause I wanted to hang out with a friend of mine and do their boots. Um, but you, you can't take a boot black away from the boot black stand. Like at the end of the day, a boot black's going to find their way back to the stand. Right. Cause it's part of, you know, cause it's who we are. Yeah. You know, you can't put your best foot forward with a dirty pair of boots and boot blacks kind of help the whole community put their best foot forward. We're ambassadors. We're friendly. We're approachable. We share education. We've got all the networking information, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I was fed some like ideal of what a boot black community should be back in the day. And I was like, cool. So in 2010, I helps. I was one of the two founders of the PDX boot blacks. Um, 
and that came out of like me and me getting a boy stoned <laughs> often how things happen around me um he was sitting and doing my boots it was taking like two hours because he was stoned and we were like why don't we connect all the boot blocks locally and we were like we should do that back in the day of craigslist so we reached out to the woman who ran the local dungeon and she said we could have space for free wow we picked time and date and uh yeah julie spanks is really an amazing uh supporter of boot blacks at every turn um and so we were like yeah okay and so we just had a meetup and we like found guys on recon and facebook and fetlife and we're like, come meet up. And the original, the first uh, meeting of the club had 13 members and we already had t-shirts designed and printed. Like before we came up with the club name. You did everything. You put it We all came the up with work. the idea. Yeah. We made some t-shirts and we were like, okay, now we should have a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. the original t-shirts were like uh, acrylic paint on a stencil I made that was this boot print of my actual boot that I carved the letters PDX out of like, and so it's just PDX boot blacks. And like, we're an, we're a non-organized organization. We are a disorder. If you would like, like, but you sound like, you sound like a doer. You sound like somebody who, who sees a need or say something that, that needs to be done and you do it. Yeah. See a need, fill a need. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a quote from the movie robots which is like this kid's movie. But they were like, see a need, fill a need. And I was like, that's a good value. Like, yeah. fix the problems. Let's build better community. Because people talk a lot of lip service about what community is and how connected we all are. And then people play catty click games and treat people like they're disposable because they're not somebody they want to fuck. Or, yeah. you know, they don't have a political alignment. Or, you know, whatever. And I think that that's in a long run a disservice right like yeah. we should cast our our nets far and wide and find the people that want to find us and like that's why i do what i do like i really like to teach um i really like to you know attend classes and i love to create spaces like mm -hmm. plays and i used to throw fairy gatherings once we got back together um, I've got dietary restrictions and they wouldn't feed me out of the main kitchen. And he realized that there were like 40 fairies cooking out of garden house because we all had dietary restrictions that couldn't be met in the main kitchen or weren't being met in the main kitchen. Mm -hmm. So we took over gathering committee and then he started running the kitchen and was like, no, 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 tell me your dietary restrictions. And he would just cook for everyone. So nobody needed to make their own food and everybody felt like a part of community. Yeah. And like, that's the way I approach everything. Like, don't book a venue with stairs unless mm -hmm. there's an elevator. Yeah. Like, yeah. Basics and, that and aren't unfortunately, basic. like a lot of people are not going to think of every detail like to that degree. And sometimes it takes somebody like yourself to bring upon that discovery. Yeah. Like I want, I really want to convince people who do zoom stuff to get more into closed captioning things. Mm -hmm. Even if you can't afford an ASL interpreter, at least you could have things closed captions, which actually opens up things to deaf folks and also autistic folks where it's easier to read along than it is to naturally follow. Yeah. Um, I actually had, um, someone on, um, what was it? Grinder who, cause I put my podcast linked, I think on my grinder 
And they said, oh, I'd love to listen to your podcast, but I can't because I'm deaf. And I'd never even thought about like a podcast really is an aural only mm-hmm. platform. And so for we did we did an event called Leather Together last year um, where Queen Anna Elgos uh, or Queen Anna Blue from um, Miss Sanctuary Leather 2020. Her and I um, did like a Zoom leather talk where we had guests come and Tuesday Tuesday mm-hmm. Niles, who's uh, Miss Bullet Leather, um, who was also de- hard of hearing, and had a whole network of, of people that would come in and they were doing signing on the Zoom live while we were recording it. And I'm like, wow, like this is amazing. I, it took a lot. I mean, she did all of the the legwork on that because I had no idea where to start. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just it's crazy like to think that like. That's something that I would have never thought had someone been like, hey, I'd love to listen to your podcast. Can't. I can't listen. Like, you know. Yeah. And there's some great services that I could put you in touch with for closed captioning stuff that would automatically create um, subtitles for your podcast for you. Yeah. Um, and I actually, can... yeah, that would be great. And I think um, I'll have to reach out to them again. There was two two people that Tuesday connected me with, actually, and was like, they want to do um, a couple of your episodes and like type it out for you because um, they were ASL students. And, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to reach out back to them. I wonder what ever happened to those episodes. I but, mean, um, I know that for Kinky Queer Weekend, our biggest financial cost in the ter- time of COVID is interpreters. Yeah, because we make sure we have it for all of our content. Yeah, and um, that that can add up really fast because they you can't have interpreters interpreting for like a full hour. Their hands are going to cramp up and everything. Like, yeah, you need a team. To cycle through. Yeah. So it's two interpreters at a time, and they both get paid an hourly wage, and they get paid for the whole hour because they're you have their whole hour even if they're not actively. Yeah, you're paying for time. Right. Like. Yeah. And it's worth it. Like it's worth it. It's the biggest expense we have, and I'm happy to pay it. Um. And, you know, things will shift when we go back into person. Like, I think when we're back into an in-person... So, Kinky Queer Weekend was an in-person camping adventure in the woods of Oregon where, like, some people call it Wuzzy Acres because a bunch of title holders who are over it come hang out in the woods and, like... (laughs) (laughs) Wuzzy Acres? Wait, so you started this. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay. What's... What? Why? What's the whole purpose behind the Kinky Queer Weekend? Kinky Queer Weekend is a place for me to go fishing. No. Um, (laughs) Kinky Queer Weekend is a space I wanted to be a part of. Um, I wanted to go to a space that wasn't run by cis white folks. I see. Um, So you created that. So I made that. Okay. Um, Everybody who is on the production board of Kinky Queer Weekend is marginalized, at least in one way, if not two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody who is behind the scenes, it's a labor of love. Um, I finance it through phone sex and selling pictures of my feet because it's expensive, even in COVID, to throw it. Like, there's yeah. ongoing Zoom fees and, like, interpreter fees yeah. and website hosting and, like, whatever. Um, and when it's in person and like we, registrations open, uh, it's a three day conference where we have like 
a couple of classes on Friday and then a meet and greet where we like hang out and then some playtime. And then Saturday we have like an all day schedule of classes with some playtime at night. And then Sunday we do like a brunch, which is like a conversational brunch where you like, you get schooled on some stuff. Um, we've had like leather elders do things. We've had, uh, trans men with at least a decade if not two of transition under their belt who identify as gay talk about that mm-hmm. this year we're gonna have some trans dykes talking which i'm super stoked for um to talk about their experience as trans dykes and community um so it sounds like a weekend of if i'm trying to sum summarize in my mind uh kinky social and educational yeah it's like the long-term goal, when we're in person, we also host the Intergalactic Contests. Okay. So we host the Intergalactic Power Bottom Contest, the Intergalactic Hardcore Switch, and the Intergalactic Ethical Sadist Contest. And those are players' titles that are non-gender specific because the only other players' title marketed thing is ILSB. And that leaves out a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Not okay. everybody identifies as a sir or boy. Yeah. But, you know, most bottoms I know identify as as masochists. What does the competition look like? Do you have to, like, perform? Yes. So the last time we... So we do it as a dinner show. So, like, you come to dinner and then the contest happens. So you get to, like, eat during the show. So you're just, like, watching kinky shit happen. Yeah, it's like... Think summer camp, right? Like, think... Think, we all like, went to a kinky summer camp where people are getting beaten up on the stage. <laughs> but did you go to a summer camp where they had like talent shows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, so it feels do, like, like that. Okay. Yeah, it feels like that. It's <laughs> it's not high cow by any means. Okay. Um like even I was in tennis shoes. And I wear I'm a boot guy. Like I wear boots. Yeah. Um and like it was charming. Uh, our current intergalactic power bottom did a scene where they were like deep throating giant sausages and getting covered with food in oh the middle gosh. of a play space. Like there was glitter involved. There was food. There was so much food. And like that was in the year when we had a bunkhouse. So the goal is to move to a proper summer camp, right? I see. Okay. But that year we had a bunkhouse. So it was 25 bunks. So 50 people, 75 people could sleep up top. And then they could look down into the pit where the play space is. And then there's tables on the side where you can like hang out and eat or whatever. How cool. So it was like a really self contained room with a fire pit in the middle. And the fire started when we got there and didn't end until we were gone. Wow. So it kept like the container open. Um, And like, yeah, it's. It's very much Kinky Queer Weekend is what we as a community make it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, it takes a little fairy magic, right? So it, I've always heard of things like Leather Levi Weekend or like Delta, and all of that is expensive and not really accessible and like Delta's invite only. Um, but like most of those things are really pricey. And I was like, well, what does it cost to run it? Like, I'm not trying to make money. Yeah, you're I'm just, just trying to space. open the space. Yeah. Like, I just want community. And I'm willing to work to build community. Like, I, I'm i glad I get to mix some of my fetishes with my phone sex, which is awesome. <laughs> um, I'm really into financial control. 
so in my everyday life, that looks like helping my boys get their credit scores better, preparing them to have jobs and save money, right? And in my professional life, that looks like fuck you, pay me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my biggest day, I I drained like nearly three grand off a dude. Um, and I bet you it was like into it, right? Like he's oh, he hot was over so it. into it, and I was so into it, like. Make my wallet fat. Do it. Like, I <laughs> love it. Um, because all of it, yeah, and all the money gets yeah. dropped back into this event where like yeah. all the money is going back to community. So it feels exactly. like community service to have these filthy times on the phone with random dudes. Um, so it sounds to me like you have some. If 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 you were to summarize, like if you were to summarize in your mind, like how do I put this? Okay, how about this? In the future, where would you like to see our queer leather community go? Where Where is that ideal place in your mind? I would like to see our community represent our existence. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? I mean that often leather community is extremely white. Um, and there's great organizations like Onyx or Unruly, but like, I live in Oregon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't have those things here. I have a bunch of white folks. Um, And it's not just a bunch of white folks, right? So with the queers, I find more people of color willing to like step up to queer events Mm -hmm. because they're not run out by the bullshit patriarchy that happens at quote, traditional leather events, you know, like I can't tell you how many white men I've had see call black dominant people boy in leather spaces like Uh i can't tell you because they're short like like that's racially charged and inappropriate you know and so they'll show up once or twice and be like this place is terrible i'm gonna not be here Mm. and then they get run out of community and i don't want that like i want community that looks like me i'm short i'm fat i'm round i'm brown i'm disabled i'm intersex like I've got a lot of things going on and like, and you want your community to reflect the people yeah. that are involved or at least trying to be involved in it without being pushed away. Yeah. I just want people to be able to be like, I want to come and be like, yeah. I don't care if boys wear dresses. I don't care if girls wear dresses. Like I don't care. Kinky queer weekend is where the weirdos can come and be themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you end I've had some fucking, like, I'm leathery leather leather folks come and be like, this is a great time. Like, y'all are freaks in the woods. We did a piss play party off a balcony where we had, like, a herd of bottoms at the bottom, like, trying to get splashed on. Like. Sounds like my cup of tea. Yeah. Right? Like, (laughs) dogs rolling down hills in masks and romping in the woods and puppies doing pony play in a field. Like, I'm interested in creating spaces where people can do what they want. Mm. You know, as long as you're not harming anyone else. Like, we do have a no-Nazi uniform policy. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask that white people not come and cop paraphernalia. Um, because so are, are, are white individuals also welcome to these events? Are you trying absolutely. to Absolutely. Okay. But Kinky Queer Weekend does have a BIPOC-only zone. Got it. Okay. And so white people are not welcome there. And... They're welcome to like fetch us things from the kitchen and bring us a snack because there's lots of ways white people can be of service 
to people of color, like in a So you're trying to create a, a place that is welcoming of everybody, but also has a space for BIPOC because that sacred space is meaningful to you. Yeah. Also, I think we need it. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't been to a leather event where I haven't dealt with some kind of caucasity. And so I'm like, I want to be able to Did you pick walk. that word up? I've never heard that. Caucasian. No, but I love that word. <laughs> That's a punk band name. And you're, it's <laughs> getting added to the list. <laughs> yes. Um, like, oh I God. need to walk away from caucasity sometimes. And sometimes, I, in my own personal experience, that caucasity will follow me and keep talking at me and want more of my capacity. Hmm. And so if there's a BIPOC-only zone, I can just go over there and you can't come after me. Mm-hmm. Like, I need a break. And the other thing is, like, I've been run out of a lot of spots by being like, stop being transphobic. Why are you being racist? Can you stop being so ableist? No, really. And, like, you can't run me out of Kinky Queer Weekend. I run the show. Like, if you don't like the rules, you can leave. Um, Which, I mean, there's a team of us who run the show. But at the end of the day, it was my brainchild and... You know, I put a lot of labor in. Well, I I think maybe, you know, you're on to something because in one hand, it's unfortunate that you have to go out of your way to create a space that is, like you said, not racist, where you don't have to dodge all of these things. However, like the only way forward is by people like yourself creating these spaces and promoting that and, and making it a reality. Mm-hmm. And we've had like cis white straight men show up kinky queer weekend and they learn a lot and check their privilege Mm -hmm. and it's you know sometimes the scene is getting uncomfortable because you're not the majority in the room yeah but that's okay because growth doesn't come from comfort Mm. no comfort causes stagnation and growth you know you got to get uncomfortable and get comfortable being uncomfortable right like yeah yeah like we all are uncomfortable at some point in time and like sit there in discomfort and feel it and ask yourself, why is this so uncomfortable and how do I make it more comfortable? You know? Oh, those are important questions. Cause I think some people may not even understand why they're feeling uncomfortable in the first place. And it has, it's something that they've never thought of. They have to analyze for themselves to realize where that comes from. You know, a lot of it is, we're raised with it subliminally and it comes back that way. It's the same reason why, you know, men are afraid to act feminine and they mm-hmm. need that weekend a way to figure out like what that means, what their femininity looks like. And, you know, just one example, of course, but um, Scout, we can talk for like seven more hours, but I do want <laughs> I do want to figure out how can we get connected with you? How can we reach out? How can we find out more about Kinky Queer Weekend? Kinky Queer Weekend has a website, www.kinkyqueerweekend.com. Okay. Um, registration is open. Our event this year is September 16th through 18th. It will be in the digital world. Please attend from wherever you feel comfortable. Um, we have sliding scale passes. So uh, flex rate is $10. Standard rate is $25. Reach around rate is $50. Our biggest cost of the year is interpreters. Mm-hmm. Um, interpreters for a three-day weekend runs about two thousand dollars. Um, so, uh, and that's because we have interpreters that work with us financially. Uh, you can find me on Facebook 
I'm Scout the Boot Black. Um, you can find me on FetLife. My name on FetLife is Uniform Scout. Um, I am on Recon. My Recon name is Mr. Boots. Okay. Um, I don't do... Tw- I have a Twitter. I don't do Twitter. Um, I have an Instagram. I don't do Instagram. Kinky Queer Weekend has an in- Instagram. Are you with the yellow pages? I mean, <laughs> what else? Are I you mean, <laughs> Grandpa Bear has some connections. I'm like, honestly, if people want to talk to me, and if they email anybody, if they email through the Kinky Queer website, like, It'll come to you. I'm who you get. Okay. At okay. the end of every email is my phone number. If you're not a person who likes to chat online, I'm like, call me. Yeah. Let's talk. Like, whatever you need, I'm happy to do the thing. And like, I just want to create more spaces where folks who often feel left out or on the edges cannot be, you know? Yeah. And we have a lot of folks that are neurodivergent, folks with disabilities, people of color, trans folks, um, binary folks, you know, femmes of all flavors. Um, femmes of all flavors. Femmes of all flavors. Femme does not mean female. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And I feel like that's also a misconception. Like, I have a deep love of effeminate men mm-hmm. um yeah wow scout i really appreciate you coming on the show and being so open and i feel like there's still so much more to talk about but um i feel like all of that will be opened up and more on the leather talk zoom when we have it um if there's any last words that you'd like to leave our audience with um now would be the time be nice when people correct you say thank you and be yourself like trust your inner self you want to wear pink boots wear pink boots you want to get pissed on get pissed on you want to get your whole wrecked on a tuesday get your whole wrecked on a tuesday like i don't know be you i love it well, as always, guys, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay kinky. Okay.